0: We told the players at half-time we need to keep asking them questions. What questions does Stephen Gerrard think we were asking in that first half? Seriously? That's scary. Like, what's your name? What's two plus two? I mean, to be fair, they're probably appropriate questions for someone who's just woken up from a coma that we had induced with our aimless fucking possession. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast.
1: While you were sleeping That's, all it took. that's Where can you even begin here? Like, how can I make this podcast interesting? Different? How can I bring something new to the table for our listeners when we're subjected to the same thing over and over and over? But then it hit me! It hit me! I haven't gotten the opportunity to talk about Arsenal All or Nothing yet. And... <laughs> Or Mikel Arteta, for that matter. But there is one very, very depressing detail. Uh, Listeners of the Thursday show. We have a Thursday show now, by the way. If you haven't listened, go check it out. They will have been familiar with the story I told about Arteta's uh, pre-match talk before the Liverpool home game where he's discussing how he met his girlfriend and he doesn't actually tell us how he met him. Whatever, go back to Thursdays and listen to it. But after that match, they lost to Liverpool. Arteta came in and he said you know, basically, let's move on. We go to Villa next week and we're going to fucking beat them. (laughs) And the sad thing is, like, you know, we know what happened and we know what always happens. Every single team in the calendar are looking at that. You need to bounce back (laughs) You come to Aston Villa. I mean, West Ham haven't scored all season. You come to Aston Villa. Bournemouth won't score again for the rest of the season after the opening day of the year. And in fact, they'll concede 16 in the following three matches. 16 in three matches. How many did Aston Villa score against Bournemouth? That's right. Zero. Zero. Mikel Arteta was right about one thing. We're going to Aston Villa and we're going to fucking beat them. And here we are again, off the back of yet another loss. And this is 33 games for Steven Gerrard now. How many draws? Five draws in 33 matches. How has that happened? Remember that season where we were complaining about getting too many draws under Dean Smith? We did not know we were living. Like, we 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 careful what you wish for. We were dropping too many points, getting too many draws. Here we are now. 12 defeats, 16 losses in 33 matches. That's a shambles. You can't even, in a game like this where West Ham bring nothing to the table, you can't even just hang in and get the draw. And then we can say, well, look, it didn't happen today. When have we ever lost under this regime? And thought, if we keep that going next week, we'll win more games than we do lose them. No, we just lose. We just play shit. And we come on here and just spit fire. And you can't blame us because there's nothing but torture that we're... That were subjected to a whole time. Welcome to the show, Liam. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, thanks a million. What a what an apt way for this team to see out the game as well. Like, this is a team that that beat Brighton, Southampton, and Leeds at the end of February, or the beginning of March. A team that has won three game games since then. And you have to go back to the tenth of March for a victory against a team that wasn't relegated or managed by Frank Lampard. <laughs> three wins in 15 games and we haven't been unlucky in that time we've got exactly what we deserved and what we've got is entirely based on either the fixture list or Farad Mashari's absolutely bonkers decision to bow to some graffiti and appoint Frank Lampard as his manager (laughs) and like winning three games in a row is a big achievement for an Aston Villa manager but the reality is that was preceded by one win in seven and that was against Duncan Ferguson's Everton The the studio panel beforehand, the pre-match interview, and the commentary team, we're all talking about Steven Gerrard. He's looking for a bit of consistency. Steven Gerrard has consistency. Just because it's consistency you don't like doesn't mean he doesn't have it. I mean, we'd all prefer a ghosty, but sometimes you have to face reality. Like sometimes you've had too many drinks the night before. (laughs) And I I was watching this thinking, Jesus Christ, Frank Lampard is so entangled with Steven Gerrard. I mean, he's the only fucking manager he can beat. When you think back to England's golden generation between 2000 and 2006, like we used to always ask the question, how did they not get beyond the quarters of an international tournament? The answer's a lot clearer now, isn't it? That team of brilliant players is also a team of fucking morons who obviously needed their brilliant club managers or the smattering of other players like Roy Keenan, Jabby Alonso in and around them to flourish. Like go through them. John Terry John Terry answered a FaceTime from Steve Sidwell and started cheering just because Steve Sidwell was cheering. <laughs> Moron. Rio Ferdinand wanted to give Ole Gunnar Solskjaer a lifetime contract because Presnel El Kimbappe handled the ball. Paul Scholes doesn't know how to use nail clippers. <laughs> Fucking David Beckham's best mate is Gary Neville. <laughs> and now we can all see how little understanding Stephen Gerrard and Jared, Frank Lampard have of the sport as well.
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: and it goes on through generations. Like, you know, parents
1: pass stuff down to their children. That's now their baggage. And you look at the end of that game. I mean, there was a period, probably the 10 minute period after we conceded the goal, which which was a lucky goal from West Ham's point of view. But did we get control of the ball until the 87th minute, maybe? I, I just don't remember us having the ball until we eventually. Got her defenders on the ball again. Did nothing, with it. and <laughs> and of course that's why we ended the match. And Chambers like the the, the the clock has gone past three minutes. Of course there was only three minutes because nothing once again happened in this match. I I I have to say it, I don't enjoy watching Aston Villa games anymore. I feel like it is a waste of my time. And the 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 clock the time's already up. Chambers is looking around and he decides to pass it two meters to Camaro. and obviously. It should be sent. Like, that's the thing. Just get it forward for fuck's sake. Head it out. Like, Matt Cash is just standing out in the right wing anyway. Give it to him. Let somebody cross it. We love crossing so much. But he just rolls it to Kamara. And what does Kamara do? He surveys his options. He just starts looking around. He puts his toe on the ball and starts standing, staring at things. I don't know, was he taking this? this mission, this one final attack into the research and development phase before he decided to actually do something. But he was really just weighing everything up. And of course, the whistle went as Kamara, our centre midfielder, was just standing, looking around.
0: (laughs) Well, like, yeah, nothing better could sum up this fucking omni-shambles of a team than one of our players standing on the ball when we're 1-0 down and just letting the clock run down on the game and our fucking lives. And just letting the life ebb out of the game and our bodies but it it, it, it genuinely is a microcosm of the the problems on the pitch what was the plan there nobody knew what to do the center half looks up and there's nothing on so he rolls the ball 10 yards fucking the ideal situation for one of our center halves rolling the ball 10 yards and the center midfielder looks up and there's nothing on so he just dilly-dallies on the ball like someone who's played four seasons for the club as opposed to fucking four games he's fit it right in (laughs) <laughs> like if, if, if we want the Chambers to knock along which was probably appropriate given that the fucking injury time had already elapsed then everybody get in and around the D, flood their box and if we wanted to work a better angle then go wide like our wide players were all standing about 10 or 15 metres in field, and we're being marked as well go wide like either get on the touchline to receive the ball or at least have dragged your man out and then Kamara can change his mind don't just stand there looking at
1: him on the ball. Yeah. And Gerard was a pain to talk about the goal that wasn't. And, like, yeah, you can see why. It was, a, it was a good goal for Villa scores from their point of view. Maybe not from Philip Coutinho's point of view. <laughs> but the corner comes in from Luca Dean. It's a really nice corner. Uh, Coutinho manages to head it off the post and it comes across. And I was so happy to see Kanza getting on the score sheet. And I thought, ah, oh, there's a boy. There's a boy who, who can do the goal. And actually, he was good today as well. But I thought... I thought, oh, Jesus, that, that would have been perfect for him. It like, might, might have helped kickstart his career. We're slagging him just in the last couple of podcasts as well about how ineffective he is from these positions. But oh, was, was that ball even an inch over the line? I mean, do I need to revisit the the rulebook? Does that, does that rule need to be there? Is that not a nice... <laughs> Would, would that not be a nice element to the game? From a set piece, the ball can go out of play as long as it lands back in play. Like nobody can nobody can touch it outside the field. Like what's it there for? Who's it protecting? Like what? It's not enhancing the experience for anybody. <laughs> We're
0: not fucking playing ice hockey. Like it, it it is an absolutely brilliant set piece idea that is terribly executed. Yeah. I mean, come on, Conan and Luca, you know the rules. This is really <laughs> basic stuff. Like this is the, the top three things you need to know. The ball needs to stay inside the four outer white lines, that big rectangle. That's the field of play. And continue missing a header from six inches out was the perfect precursor to the game he was going to have, really, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, he started off, you know, a couple of nice touches, lively, you know, holding boys off as he gets it, turning well, and he just, just drifted out. We'll talk a bit more about him later on. But uh, the goal that ultimately decided the game, the only goal in a very drab game again, um it was, it was a bit of luck for West Ham. It was Fournals who, who got it. But I mean, at this stage, Villa had been on top largely in the first half without oh. really Yeah, without really all creating. Right, anything. Yeah, like, it's, they're playing Sunday League West Ham, you know, here just in that stage. When they sit back there, they've already gone stale all over anyway, and they, and they just kickies. each other. They give you a lot of the ball. We don't really create anything. They're probably happy. Like, this is actually a probably perfect game for David Moyes if you look back on it. But. Um, Not to criticise him unnecessarily, <laughs> I just mean that he's probably thinking everything went to plan away to Villa. But the pace drops now in the second half, and, and the crowd are starting to get a bit annoyed and they're urging them to come on. Like, how often are you going to pass it backwards and along the back line? Will somebody go forward? The game's just drifting out, and yeah, the time is, is going away. And, and then somehow, there's just still big gaps in the middle. Like, I don't know what we're working on. How often are we going to see an average formation graphic? of villas and it's, it's number one it's going to look completely different every week and number two it's gonna look fucking mental every week as well. And there's these <laughs> big gaps in the middle as West Ham come down and yeah, they just pass it right into one of those gaps, which is right behind our midfield. And for now she have a good look. Has a pretty shit shot really considering it's just gone into Kansas ankles and <laughs> just a fucking loop that of death really this just gone over the keeper.
0: Yeah, like in in a game that you Would have thought couldn't go into a lull because it was already asleep. We had just watched the worst five or ten minutes of my life on hold and just creep away forever lost. And anyone who was enjoying that is a sick bastard because that was just so grim. And unsurprisingly, John McGinn, who I assume must have a newborn baby at home because he's fucking desperate for a bit of kip. Coming to Villa Park is his holiday, his sweet fucking relief. Unsurprisingly, he's asleep again. Fornals just steps inside. Like, there was no double movement, no shimmy or drop at the shoulder. Just walk in the direction you want. That's how you get away from our skipper. Yeah. Like, do you remember John McGinn played in this? Played a full season in a two-man midfield. Fucking hell! <laughs> Fornals just steps inside. The defenders can't get tight enough because, despite playing under Gerrard for almost a year and with McGinn and Doggy for a few years they're probably still expecting us to have a function in midfield or at least for a midfield to be in existence in front of him. And then Fornalis has just got 10 yards to walk into and eye up Con's ankles. Yeah. Yeah. And like, there's probably fitting that that's what decided
1: the game. Just nothing good from West Ham. Nothing good from Villa. Game over. I hope everybody enjoyed it. Like, what what a decision. If Sky were going to pick any games and not show, people probably raise an eyebrow. West Ham, Villa, why is that not on? That's why it's on. They're two shit teams who are in for a tough season. <laughs> We're going to talk about that later, but first we'll do WhatsApp Wings.
0: One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? plushcare.com
0: slash weight loss
1: only one man getting fined today believe it or not but it's John McGinn. it wasn't it wasn't a 40 yard shot but the shot was that bad that he, he deserves to not get paid this week. It, it falls to him in the left hand side of the box. I don't know if you remember this and the oh, way I remember he, it, you feel like he's standing still again. You know, this this is irritating me more than it should. And you probably every time we talk about John McGinn though, I just talk about the staticness of him and i think it's because like he's supposed to be the opposite of like every time john mcgain gets praised it's for it's for the opposite of what static is and he just doesn't move on the ball he had to move one stage in the first half he he used his arse for good and he happened to roll out into space and it was there in front of him he ran and he ran and he played a nice ball forward and it was like just do that more like why why is that happened once in this game anyway this ball comes to him and of course he doesn't take a touch, he doesn't move it inside, he doesn't try to go forward. He just he just comes underneath it like a like a keeper, you know, a keeper floating a ball upfield for a forward. He wants a, a nice drop of the ball to come onto the forward's head. Again, he's just come underneath it with the outside of his boot and of course it's gone into Rue's head.
0: Yeah, it was pathetic. It was it was like he was handing a jersey to a child in the crowd, like you know, just floating the ball onto the stand. That's for you, sweetheart. Thanks for the support. It was <laughs> Absolutely desperate. And the worst thing about it was the ball was on his right foot as well. And he runs around it nearly to get it onto his left. He obviously can't get around it in time because he's on a fucking football field against a professional football team. And he ends up doing that then because his body's not set properly because in the first instance, he's desperate to get it onto his left foot.
1: Yeah. First WhatsApp win. How shite is this league of Villa still aren't in the bottom three?
0: (laughs) Well... One of the teams below them is Frank Lampard's Everton. <laughs> one, one, of them, one of them is Bournemouth. We 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 lost to a team that has conceded sixteen goals in their last three games. Yeah. Like I, I don't care who they were playing in that time. That's a Championship clubs' results, and yeah. they beat us. And their of last three games,
1: us. like they're only three games outside of us. You know, like, <laughs> this
0: isn't form. This this is them in the Premier League. Exactly, and. Don't you fucking worry, Conan. Leicester Wolves and West Ham aren't gonna finish below us.
1: No, they absolutely aren't. Like it sort of brings us on to the the next the next WhatsApp winch. Um, obviously a lot of WhatsApp winches. I I qualified him him, but you know, oh, look, this is knee jerk, blah blah. But this th- this is a genuine question. Are we actually in relegation danger? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, and you have to remember, like Christian Perso has has a lot at stake here. His ego was on the line. Like he's, he's made the decision, ripped out the manager. He's, uh, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. That's what he did. And he brought in Gerard to, uh, you know, he welcomed him in. Like it was Jesus coming into Jerusalem. Was he he going back to Jerusalem or Bethlehem? (laughs) Um, I think it was Bethlehem. Somebody uh, tweet us if you remember, but you know, coming into a lot of fanfare, let's say, and and Perso, you know, talking the talk and he's gonna back him and I feel like he's all in as to use Gerard's quotes, Perso's all in on Gerard and I think he might dick around for a bit too long and how long is that gonna last, really? Like we've been here before. We've got a better team maybe than what we had been before and probably less wasters than before. But like is Perso going to just let another half season drift by will he go on beyond that because they've invested so much in him they've put a lot of eggs in this basket
0: uh, I think of course we could be in relegation trouble I mean did, did you not hear what I said about the amount of games we win the, the ideas that we have how we play how how our players are playing themselves I mean we're in a really fucking grim situation and it's not like this isn't knee <laughs> What, what, what did I say to you there a second? That we've won three games in 15 and then one and three games there and then one in the seven before that as well. Like, we don't win football games. We average in and around the point of game. We're fucking absolutely shite. And if you keep playing like that, you're going to be asking for trouble at the end of the season.
1: Fucking great. I thought you might have poured cold water on the hot take. Well, yeah.
0: th- th- sorry. Th- the thing is, is if we dick around like this, if we keep playing... In this situ, in, in this type of football, then we are re- we are relegation fodder. We are currently playing like a team that wants to be relegated, that will be relegated. There's yeah. huge improvements that need to be made in how we're playing and how the players are playing themselves.
1: Well, that brings us on nicely to the third and final WhatsApp winch. <laughs> See this quote going around. I saw it again today. Michael Beale made Gerard look good. <laughs> <laughs> How low a bar must you have? I mean, what is attractive in your eyes? Because I have to tell you, he didn't make Gerard look good, not at Aston Villa anyway. Maybe maybe he made him look better than right now. Maybe he made him look better than 2016 Aston Villa. Great. He's still not
0: getting into the 10 out of 10 bar, is he? Well, exactly. I mean... Uh... I, I think I've I think I've covered off the fact that our form stretches deep into Michael Beale's time at the club. <laughs> like, as does the atrocious football that we play, which is a large part of the problem for Gerard as well. And I've said this before. The worst thing for Gerard, it's it's not the results in isolation, it's the fact that there's there's no light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. No, nobody, nobody can tell me what we're doing, what we're trying to do, where we're going, where we're trying to go even. I mean, I spent the first four months of last season laughing at United and Solskjaer. And it wasn't just because it was hilarious. It was because it was utterly pointless. Yeah. You know, about as pointless as giving the job to a management consultant for six months after that. But you could see it was never going to improve because you couldn't see anything. And that's the same with Stephen Gerrard, including Stephen Gerrard and Michael Beale. You can't see anything. You can't see what they're doing you can't see how you could possibly improve because they're just doing the same thing every week and they're doing the same thing that the previous manager was doing as well. And you know what's happening then? They're getting the same fucking results.
1: This is um, a very good point and it sort of ties back into how we're playing and and what we're looking to do. And if you, that game should be a classic example today. Like if you had to played better and you, you lost to that fucking goal, You'd be like, ah oh, you know, one of those days like that 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 sick look might have created a few more chances on the other side if we had a few more ideas, but we don't. The Crystal Palace match, the reason we were all apoplectic at half time when we were drawn one each is because we knew we couldn't see anything and like it said at the top of the shoe, we're not we're not playing in any sort of way that makes you think, Okay, if we can just keep doing that statistically, it'll work out in the long run. I think we know if we just keep doing this statistically, we'll get relegated. <laughs> because well, it doesn't speak for itself it's, it's now 0.75 points per game and that's coming into Arsenal and Man City and the, I think the reason I talk about Michael Beale as well is I, I go back to that interview of Emmy Martinism when we went on to Ben Foster's YouTube channel and uh, he spoke about it he, was, he wasn't saying this in a critical way at all but he said he's never in his career had an assistant manager who speaks so much and he does all the talking. He organizes everything. He's very smart tactically, apparently. from um, He looked after training. And we see him, Michael, as a joint manager alongside the boss. He was being complimentary of Steven Gerrard as well. who wasn't long in the door. But now I'm like, well, that boy's not there anymore. And he was there for all of Gerrard's jobs. So what is the dynamic now? He's hired somebody new. Is he a big talker? Is he running the show? Is Neil Critchley the manager of Aston Villa from Blackpool? Like, is, is that what's... <laughs> <laughs> is that what's happened he sneaked in to take a, a management job at a club here talking about European ambitions at the start of the year in the Premier League like, like, yeah you have to wonder and this boy obviously Neil missed a lot of the tour out in Australia and that affected the famous pre-season that Gerard never shut the fuck up about all that season he just needs him for pre-season because everybody will then understand the message we understand the message now <laughs>
0: Yeah, just just to go back to something there very quickly as well. Yeah, we've got we, we haven't played anybody yet either. We've got we've got <laughs> Arsenal and Man City up next, and we've played fucking Scott Parker's Bournemouth, Frank Lampard's Everton, Crystal Palace, and West Ham, and we've uh, gotten three points uh, against Frank Lampard's Everton. But assistant managers, an assistant manager of a Premier League club is the most privileged role in the entire world in every single industry you can think of because whenever you're doing shit it's your boss that gets gets the slack nobody ever talks about an assistant manager nobody gives a flying fuck about assistant managers except whenever a team's doing well and then people want to look a bit deeper at the club and figure out what's going on and they also just want to sound a little bit smarter than they are as well (laughs) and think that they've gone a bit deeper into it they've figured out what's going on here this guy's a genius that's not the case it's the manager's fault Michael Beale was at Aston Villa when they were shite. Aston Villa stole shit after he's gone. Yeah. Yeah. Nice way to wrap it up. We'll go into the awards
1: categories after this. Roy Keane thinks Scott Parker is a dweeb. (laughs) In one single moment, your whole life can turn round. Stand there for a minute staring straight into the ground. Looking to a few years, you can't get it.
0: thinks everybody's a tweet. Well feels <laughs> like his
1: caved in proper sorry frown. Please let me show you where we could only just be for us. I can show you I just thought every time we cut back from Parker being interviewed, for some reason he's been in interviewed two or three times before the game. And uh talking shit obviously and, <laughs> and every time we cut back, it looked like Keem is holding on a lash and it looked like you know Karger had that little knowing look that he has sometimes you know when he knows what somebody's laughing at or whatever
0: like, he's a proper football bloke you know and he, he tries to pretend that he's intelligent as well so then pretentious football writers can get behind him Scott and Roy Keane just that's then move Absolute fodder for Roy Keane, you know. He 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 snuffs that out immediately. He hates bullshit, and you're right. He hates Scott Parker. Like even at the end of that game, the story isn't fucking Scott Parker. The camera's on Scott Parker's face. Aston Villa have just climbed into the Champions League places, never to be dislodged. That's the story. It's not fucking Scott Parker getting spanked again.
1: Let's do a very quick Ronnie Rossenthal Award. It should definitely be renamed um, to some tame mischance uh, I should have thought of beforehand. Uh, Ollie Watkins Half Chance Award. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah. uh, and it is Ollie Watkins who had the, well, the only chance I can remember of the first half. The first dominant half. Um, we <laughs> were on top. Uh, big... Touch like nice big touch and burst inside Johnson. Who I was wondering is he? He's not fancy today. Watkins seemed to be getting the better of him very early on, and he went off. <laughs> Probably isn't I Hope he's not injured too seriously. and will make me look like a mug. <laughs> um, and Watkins has a shot. He's going for the far top corner. Hits off Zuma almost. goes in near post. And he goes out for the corner, and that leads to the disallowed goal.
0: Yeah, Watkins striking a blow for animal rights activists everywhere. <laughs> Probably a shame the shot wasn't about a foot higher, if we're being honest. But yeah, it's it's the right idea from Watkins, not physically abusing Zuma. I mean, that's not wrong either. I mean, driving at the defender and aiming for that back post, but I think like, the shot was more likely to go out for a throw-in than it was to go into the top corner.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was careful my words. It said he was aiming for the top corner. <laughs> um, I only have three more. One of them West Ham, two Villas, which was this game, but... Jared Bowen had West Ham's big chance, and of course, of course, he came from an Aston Villa attacking free kick. Uh, <laughs> Paul just gets headed downfield, and Jesus John again is freaking out. And we'll we'll go back to that and the what the fuck award, but uh, basically they, they break away, and Matt Cash gets turned inside by Bowen, or he's just recovering from right back, so it's not not really on him. But look at Dean does well; he can back and block it. Yeah, good defending in the end, considering.
0: Yeah, it's brilliant from Luca Dean. It's terrible from John McGinn. I mean, not, not only does he fuck up the turn, it's a bad idea. I mean, he's spinning into two on Russian West Ham players. Like, I want my players to have a. I Definitely, for Aston Villa anyway, I want them to have a lot more aggression on the ball, a bit more adventure, a bit more courage. But to be brave, to be courageous, you have to have an understanding of the potential consequences yeah. of your actions. Like Just blindly galloping into no-man's land and not knowing it's full of mines or overlooked by snipers isn't bravery. You know, knowing those two things and deciding to act anyway, that's what bravery is. John McGinn wasn't shown courage on the ball. He was just showing utter folly. Like sometimes sometimes it makes more sense to stay in the trenches and you'd want your <laughs> captain to know that. I need to be fucking airlifted on Liz War analogy, but it was a good tackle from it was a good tackle from Dina. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, Two final chances from Villa. Uh Buendia came on. Do you notice Buendia doesn't play again when we go back to the shape? <laughs> we go back to the two up top, then he, he brings back Continue, But anyway, he brings on Buendia and um, Buendia tries to thread a ball through. It breaks out to Ramsey on the left. Pulls it back across the box. Matt Cash has read it well. And he's come in with his left foot and he hits it like a fucking sandwich. Just, <laughs> what is he doing? I've seen this boy hit the roof of the net with his left foot. And he, like, sort of jump again. Just comes underneath it and watches it fly, baby. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's a it's a decent pullback from JJ. A mixture of too much pace on the pass and not enough pace on the run from Buntia. But those type of balls that are missed by the initial intended target very regularly result in a goal because it's caught everyone by surprise. But if anyone is doing the stats on that, then they need to fucking correct for Matt Cash's left foot because that's, <laughs> that's an anomaly. That's the outlier in the data.
1: Yeah, the only other nomination is... Um... Leon Bailey, he gets it onto his left. Sharp gets it onto his left, and he he does what I think Ollie Watkins would have done if Zuma didn't block it. It just floats harmlessly wide. Um, I think we can come back to Leon Bailey a bit. Um, later on in the show, I think the winner here is is that is that that fucking Matt Cash one, right?
0: Ah, yeah, yeah. Like I think that that was a big, big chance. The ball drops them, and they all he has to do really is hit it on target because it's. So unexpected that it'll probably catch Fabianski off guard. Yeah. yeah, get it on target. Don't hit it into the fucking stand. <laughs> the Peter Enkelman, oh, What the
1: Fuck Award. I've got three nominations here. Um, Deacon Rice is the first one. Like it's a bad ball inside from him um, or inside him from Cresswell, and he stretches the controls. And then his second touch is terrible. And Coutinho springs, thinking like you know I, I can get in here, but he's still not close enough to really worry Deacon Rice. He then tries a a ball out to the right back and it's the most ridiculous pass I've ever seen and Ings ended up winning it and got a free. Like to talk about putting Johnson under pressure early doors and like Luca Dean had one then at left back. He just he can he's got, he's got all time and space. The ball was rolled out to him like we do. We like one thing we do well is pass it along our backs and uh it's there now for Luca Dean. He hit it over the top like we like just hit it the in. It's a good tactic. And uh he just poked it like it stood like, John McGinwood stood planted to the spot and then just poked it away from himself and went straight to Ben Rama. West Ham continued attacking, but it was fine because they're not good at attacking at the minute. And uh, <laughs> the only other one was it was John McGinn. I think that's definitely the winner. Um, You know, again, started from the Villa Free. Like, McGinn's decision to take that heavy touch inside, yeah, is a bit mad. Before that, he's just panicking every time the ball bounces. He's freaking out. Like, that's, that's what made the touch even more bizarre. He's so spooked about what is happening around him, and then he just decides, "Ah, oh, fuck this! I'm just fucking running anyway. And if I blow up, I blow up. Like I, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to have to think about it anymore because now I'm just like you know getting nowhere. I need to just fucking charge." And he turns inside, heavy touch. Then he falls and decides to lie there. He lies there for a second and decides maybe maybe I should get up. Meanwhile, cash and look at Dean are, are rescuing him from the field. <laughs> from, <laughs> from, from the from the <laughs>
0: Jumping on that grenade for him, but like if you had a touch as bad as John McGinn's was well, that all game as well, you'd be panicking with any sort of rudimentary ball bouncing in and around you. It would just cause absolute consternation in your mind. Look, Adinia did the equivalent of. Remember last week when I was giving that uh, lovely bit of advice? Don't look in a general direction of the goals because you just end up hitting it straight down the <laughs> middle. That seemed to be what Luca did. There was two Villa players either side of Ben Rama. Yeah. And he just seemed to look in their general direction and then <laughs> hit it straight down the fucking middle to Ben Rama. It was absolutely <laughs> insane. The worst thing about that was he was inside his own box when he did it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the winner is still John McGinn. Um, the, the panic, the touch, the fall, the delay. Eric.
0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
1: Um, the Yard. <laughs> do you even give a fuck award? The uh, winner has to go to Steven Gerrard for this one decision. Um, it brought us John McGinn, who we were just talking about. And he brought on Cameron Archer in the ninety-first minute. Like, what is going on? What's going on? with that? I'm not saying the Cameron Archer would be the, you know, the answer to all their problems. But like, get him on a bit earlier. Like, sure, we're we're losing the match. It's not just a draw. We're hopeless. It's not like we have to stick to the system. It's not like it's working in any way. Get him on before there's like more than two minutes of injury time left.
0: Yeah, I think you've called that absolutely right there. We're losing the match, and we're not creating anything. That's the big thing. There's no reason to stick to it. Pep Guardiola gets slagged off for not making changes whenever his team are losing, even though his team have had 30 shots on goal. Yeah, He doesn't need to make any changes. His players need to fucking score. <laughs> yeah. That was not happening today. We were just dreadful, and we just saw it out till the 91st minute, brought on Archer, and then allowed Kamara to see it out from the halfway line. <laughs> do you know what, though? That is such
1: such a lovely segue that you've just teed us up for. For the you like Glenn Whelan taking 90th minute. Break, <laughs> I'm going to jump to that. Like, you know, Pep Gary, all the ideas players just need to score. We're back at this. Stephen Gerrard thinks that's what his players need to do as well. They just need to score. And we got more proof in the <laughs> post match interview. It was the. It was the guy who does the home games interviews, so it wasn't as, as annoying, as irritating. But um, Gerard <laughs> used those, those famous lines. He said, you know, we lacked a bit of spark. We lacked imagination in the final third. And I think he literally means that. We lacked imagination. He he's, he is saying, like, there there's the proof. He's saying to his players, you have to just go out and fucking think of something. Just use your imagination. Just Like, do something. What do you want me to do? He's like, I, I, I've... I've not set us up defensively here, and, and I want you to use your imagination to dream up a goal up there. And and all I had to say after was, we threw on our creative players, you know, we we threw on Buendia, Bailey, Ramsey, and I was thinking, is, is that not a good idea to get them on from the start? Like, if they're to your creative <laughs> players, if they're the ones who have that imagination that you're talking about, then get them fucking in there and let them dream up something that you obviously can't.
0: Yeah, he's beginning to sound more and more like you in all your irrationality after a game, declaring, like, just figure it out. That's <laughs> essentially what Steven Gerrard's tactical approach is now. And you're right, seeing as he doesn't have any clue of how to set his team up to create chances and maybe he should just throw on these players that he thinks have got more expansive imaginations than the ones that are already on there. But he also said, we were really happy with the control we had of the game in the first half. Yeah, West Ham were really fucking happy with that control as well, Stevie. Yeah. That's exactly what they wanted. Yeah. It's also adding up. you know, we told the players at half time we need to keep asking them questions. What questions does Stephen Gerrard think we were asking in that first half? That's Seriously. Scary. That's scary. Like, What's your name? What's, what's two plus two? <laughs> I mean, to be fair, they're probably appropriate questions for someone who's just woken up from a coma that we had induced with our aimless fucking possession going around <laughs> circles. And do you know why people love when and Ramsey? It's really simple. Not only are they brilliant at football, but they pass the ball forward. They yeah. carry the ball forward. They move the ball into the next line of attack and they do it with a bit of energy. That's all we're asking for. Try to move up the pitch and try to look enthusiastic when you're doing it. And it would be good if the manager could try to instill some sort of system of play so that the rest of the players can do. Because not everybody has what Buendia and Ramsey has. And the really, really frustrating thing about that is West Ham couldn't have been worse. I mean, they were there for the taking and not even fucking Liam Neeson could have saved him. It looked like it looked like they had finally taken David Moyes' overriding instruction from the last few years of don't try anything. Like The players looked like they had taken that literally during this game and they did absolutely nothing. Like they couldn't have been less aggressive defensively and they were offensively bad in offense. <laughs> I think there was there was a moment in the 41st minute, like picture this scene. It was an aimless ball lumped in the general direction of Skamaka, who, who does well to get his head on it. And it drops about 30 yards out. And Fornals just pulls and drags the most speculative of shots fucking spectacularly wide. And the fans, the West Ham fans, Who could be nominated for the Emmy Martinez Is Ronaldo Not Hitting It Shithouser Award? They fucking burst into the chorus of We had a shot. We had a shot. Oh, we had a shot. It was fucking unbelievable. And in this absolute abyss of nothing happening, what did we do? We got fucking lost. I mean, just defund every physics department around the world because Stephen Gerrard's on a one-man mission to prove that it is impossible for something to be created from nothing. Cause that's what Aston Villa are.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, like I can't, I can't put it any any better than that. And like I, I think we're going to going to go into the Weiman meter a bit later and might mention a couple of players who who did all right. But I think it all has to be caveated with the fact that West Ham were really bad. Like, they, they, do not? do not underestimate how bad they were. Their fans will be worried about that today, even though they got three points in the back. Like, you know, It's just three points towards their relegation fight as well. Like, and, <laughs> and these questions that Gerard thinks that we asked in the first half and he thought we needed to see more of, it was Watkins hitting the ball in the Zuma when it was always going out for a throw <laughs> It was it was Watkins getting his head on a just a drop and cross he did really well. He was never going to score, looked up for the keeper to catch. And it was John McGinn floating the ball into Rose from thirty yards out. They were they were the questions. Like this is what Gerard thinks. I've done enough. I've gotten you up here. Like just fucking sort it out. And I don't know. We, there's there's more nominations here for the Glenn Whelan Award. There's two Douglas Louise related ones. You won't believe the first one. Um <laughs> why why was Douglas Deweys not hitting all the corners? <laughs> i can't believe it but like why the fuck am i watching douglas louise pick out the top corner and and know he's not hitting them all
0: yeah and you would think as well if you're going to be whipping the ball in six inches from the byline that you would want the ball not swinging outwards <laughs> yeah like surely that's douglas louise's ball to be hitting that corner and i and all had douglas... a couple as well
1: yeah, but sorry, I was going to just say, like to throw it on top while you continue the Oliver Douglas Awise nomination is
0: should he have come off? Yeah, it's a tricky one. Like, like you want you want the manager, and I can see why he came off as well. And I'll get around to that now in a second. I mean, you want the manager to pick a team that's that's based on the opposition and the the players he has. So I I was obviously annoyed whenever JJ was dropped, but a big problem for Jared is that he's he's made one of the three really good number eights that we have. And probably the weakest one at that. He's made one of them captain. So he's backed himself into a corner where he, he can't pick what his best midfield free is on paper, anyway, based on the the mix of skills and the balance it should afford us and based on even the individual performances of the three. But worse than that, it, it takes away the ability to move to a two-man midfield as well in the manager's hand, or to take off the one that's playing worse in the game. Yeah. And I know what you I know what you're thinking. You want as many things as possible taken out of Steven Gerrard's hands. <laughs> with his hands full of fucking pies to smash into his own face. But Manning (laughs) shouldn't be limiting himself like that. And because John McGinn's the captain, he's only ever going to take him off in the 90 plus minutes for Cameron Archer, just when it's a a Hail Mary. Obviously, Douglas Louis should have stayed on the pitch because that would give you a base and you could change the system more easily if we had have taken off. If we had just taken off John McGinn.
1: You you know, Cameron Archer is going to score a lot of goals in his career and when you look back and someone's going to say yeah but like you know you, you only scored you know, 40 in 90 games at villa say for example and he'd be like well actually 50 of them i came on for two minutes you know but it's not really count." <laughs> in his wikipedia page going forward it's just these pointless cameos from steven jared he gives no chance to take get into the match and embed himself into the match And the, the other nomination this is a bit of constructive feedback now if we are going to stick with, with this regime um if we're gonna persist with with the crossing, because my god, like the, the amount of crossing that we do is fucking incredible. Should we not try to get more people in the fucking box? Like i w I've never seen a team like dying to cross the ball as much with so little people in there. It was two on five for most of it. it was it was walking's and innings of things can make his way in. And five West Ham players just holding the boys off and heading to clear because think about the, the rest of the players. Look at Dean wants to cross. John again wants to cross. He's standing outside, right beside. Look at Dean not giving him a run. No, these boys, these boys aren't playing together. Just standing beside each other, taking turns crossing. Matt Catch <laughs> wants to be crossing with the other side. Douglas Ruiz wants to put one in, and like Philip Coutinho wants to tee all these boys up to cross. He's like, yeah, give it to me. I'll, I'll give it to them to cross. It's like what? Why do we have Philip Coutinho of all players? a rival Brazilian playmaker just getting the ball and throwing it side to side for somebody to throw into the box to nobody
0: yeah like speaking of Stephen Gerrard's religious fundamentalism (laughs) the the, the last 10 minutes of that game in particular it it, it looked it looked like we'd given up on this idea of playing football and just started an ecclesiastical delivery service the amount of crosses (laughs) we were just tossing into the box and they were so aimless as well it was like we'd pulled up outside a fucking temple or a synagogue yeah. nobody wants your crosses and especially ones that are shaped like that it was bonkers the amount of and West Ham had three centre halves as well yeah. and we, we only ever had two players in the box it was it was ridiculous and the crosses were never good enough to allow you for that it was madness absolute madness like, pick out the worst there of all
1: those nominations you like Glenn Whelan take a 90th minute penalty award um, Douglas Wee's not hitting all the corners. Yeah, believe it or not, um, the crossing was a big, big shout to to win this. Gerard just saying um, we lack imagination in the final third. It sort of feeds into the crossing as well. Probably the the lack of imagination won't do because I think it just constantly hits home every week that we're not working on anything really.
0: Yeah, the the lack of imagination. Stephen Gerard himself just being nominated because that everything else falls out from underneath that.
1: <laughs> yeah. The Vimin meter, uh, let's do some going up before we move on. Um, I've got Ezra Hansen and Callum Chambers, and again, it has to be remembered, they weren't put under much pressure today. Um, Antonio didn't even start. West Ham had no real coherent patterns, they didn't look threatening, really, but those boys coped largely well, or, well for, for the whole game. Um... The only all nomination. I don't know if you agree with this, but I thought Kamara looked all right. I thought he was moving like he could get the ball, move and be in the right spot. I don't know. It was a very low bar.
0: Uh, there was a couple of moments in the first half where Kamara definitely looked good, where he covered the space well, where he got in front of people and passed it off. But he was a little bit too slow on it. He didn't play enough aggressive balls. He played it safe a lot. Like you know, there was a pass inside the the one West Ham midfielder or forward who was trying to split the center half and the. And whoever it was, Douglas Luiz and Kamara would go to the centre half more often than he would just turn it. Not even around the corner, just play it forward. So in the second half, I thought he was much quieter and sure he had that fucking cock up at the end as well. The two lads, again, they were a little bit ropey on the ball. Konza gave it away twice, I think. But he also put in two amazing last-ditch tackles. So, yeah, I suppose that's mainly his job. Yeah, going down, um, Philip Coutinho. I thought he did start
1: well. I was excited. Thought maybe maybe he's, is trying to prove a point, but I'll tell you why he's going down is because you know when he got injured there, which is unfortunate, obviously. Like you know, it's you know he might have got a bit more time and he might have affected the game a bit more. But like that that should be when Philip Coutinho goes down, like that should be disastrous. It should be like, oh yeah. no, please get up, please. Imagine Grealish getting injured. It should be that level of oh my God, like we, we, we need this, but we can't afford for this boy to come off. But it is at the stage where it's like, right, great, great, great get when the <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> all right, That that's also partly Gerard's fault because we, we now know it. So it's one or the other for some reason, but yeah, I, I, sh- I should, my heart should be bleeding seeing him go down injured and it's not.
0: Yeah. I think you're giving him far too much credit as well there. Um, Despite the fact you've cocked yourself around, to the fact that he was dreadful because he was, and, and initially I was thinking, well, what, what a curious performance!" I can't figure this out. I mean, he's flittering between genius and madness, and I mean, causing me madness. But <laughs> as the game wore on, he just became lost in it, and yeah, thank God he took the decision out of Gerard's hand, or at least forced Gerard's hand with that injury, which obviously is hopefully nothing serious. But he was he was caught in this mad world of doing two things too quickly or too slowly, over hitting or under hitting. I was gonna call him the Goldilocks of the Premier League, but that would imply he did anything that was just right, and he didn't. He was he was a shambles for most of the game.
1: Yeah. Um look, a lot of people could be going down here. Um John McGinn's obviously going down. Uh, but I want to talk about Leon Bailey, who is going down as well. Um, Not all through his own fault, but, you know, he should be in control of what his agent is saying, who's also a stepdad, so it should be a bit easier to get him in line. Not not, not even get him in line, tell him to not be a fucking idiot, um, the way he's talking on social media, like of all places. And it's it's mad, it's on the backdrop of just one day before, I'll get to what Craig Butler, his agent, had said, but just a day before, Leon Bailey quote surfaced, and I, started, I took note of it anyway, thinking, you oh, know, I'll have a bit of fun with this after the game. You know, depending on what way it goes okay, Either get out way, it'll be a good talking point. He said, from failure, you can take lessons. I've done my homework, my research, and everything I need to do to make sure that this season, I dominate the way I know I can. I want to help the team as much as possible. And you're thinking, okay, okay, that, that's a very, that's good. If, if, he, if he can act on that now, he's talking about wanting to dominate. He's not looking to just get better. He wants to come in here and make a big difference. Probably about 12 hours later, Craig Butler's on Instagram saying, Leon Bailey is a winger first. Any other position played is because he has been trained to play anywhere. But he is a winger first and the potential to be the best in the world runs through his every move. I said that last bit like that because it was in capital letters. If Villa doesn't want him, let him move to a club that will play him and utilise his special tools. He scores almost every game. Leon Bailey has scored two goals for Aston Villa. One of them was in the League Cup. (laughs) He has the highest stats and ratings from statisticians. I want to talk to those guys. He wants to deliver for the Villa, but can't do so from the bench. He did not go to England for this. Who does this guy
0: think he is? And what does Leon Bailey think of it? Well, who does this guy think Leon Bailey is? Is probably, is probably the more pertinent question. And you said Leon Bailey said he's, he's done his homework and he's done his research. Well, his research isn't fucking peer-reviewed. I'll tell you that much right now. <laughs> his step that causes more problems than his step-overs. One of those, his trademark left-foot efforts that you were talking about there in the fucking Ronnie Rossenthal Award. You know, the one that ends up closer to the fucking corner flag than it does the top corner. Yeah. And, like he showed a few times that he had good feet, Like, but beating a man is pointless if it's taking you into another man. Like he's, he's like one of those lads who rolls the ball under your legs and starts laughing. Yeah, The objective is to score, mate. It's not the fucking nutmeg people. Are you playing football? I can't believe we're talking about another winger like this. Is this just Bertrand Trorio again? Is this a Bertrand or with a mouthy agent? <laughs> we had this exact conversation about
1: Bertrand Trory because I remember you making that analogy of somebody knocking the ball through your legs and falling down laughing and you're like, you've lost the ball. You gave the ball away. You've literally kicked the
0: ball away. I'm going to turn around and get it now. Yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, the, the arrogance of the two... Like you really... You'd really want to shut the fuck up if you scored one goal in the Premier League in a yeah. year.
1: Yeah. And he has like, gotten chances. It's it's not like the Cameron Archer thing. Like he, he he has he's been given a lot of starts, like very frequently. You know, when things don't go well, Leon Bailey comes back and that's the only change that we really make. And he can play it up front. Like imagine complaining. He's a winger, but like he's getting to play up front, he's getting more chance to impact the the majors in terms of uh, scoring and assisting. But uh, like I don't know, there, there's still a lot of people like if you look at every dream team that people pull out there of Aston Villas or like you know imagine this team on their porch and it's always Bailey Bailey is always there in every team it's always Bailey Coutinho and Buendia, um, and, and usually behind Watkins and it's it's mad like and part of me looked at that, that goal he scored against Bolton and thought yeah if he does get one-on-one he can step inside and put in the bottom corner quite often but then I suppose he got that opportunity today and just floated it away.
0: <laughs> yeah, if Bertrand Troy scored a very similar goal, it was actually much better. Was it against West Brom? West Brom. He yeah. just rolls it into the bottom corner as well. And look, yeah, people want Leon Bailey in the team because he's not in the team at the minute. Yeah. And your stock rises when you're not in the team. Aston Villa are dreadful with Leon Bailey in the team, and they're dreadful with Vodan in the team. Stop <laughs> yearning for something that doesn't fix the problem. Leon Bailey has been given more than enough chances. Last year, how fucking angry were people last year that Leon Bailey was in the team instead yeah. of Wendy? Yeah, people wanted Wendy on the right wing ahead of him last year. That's how fucking shite he was. And then we all stepped back in the summer and thought, look, oh, he's doing okay in pre-season, which is the only time Leon ba- Bailey apparently can play well for Aston Villa. We stepped back, we said we'll give him a chance now to start of the year, and he's been shite. He's been shite for Aston Villa this year.
1: Yeah, shite with him, shite without him. He is Leon Bailey. Is the Michael Bale of playing? <laughs> questions we can't answer but probably will Ederson got away with one didn't he
0: <laughs> yeah I mean yeah, one of three things happened and they're all equally believable in my mind the ref is biased in City's favour the ref is unconsciously biased in City's favour Yeah, or the ref is a fucking idiot I mean there were <laughs> There was one image doing the rounds that proved it was a foul. Of course, it was it was front on and we have no depth perception. But It's yeah. absolute nonsense. Ederson releases the ball and it is immediately poked away. That's what happens. Yeah. But the most important thing is he's released the ball. And the really irritating thing for me, apart from the absolutely egregious decision, is Edward and Ayu acting like they've done something wrong. Get your fucking tops off, lads. Get them spinning around your head and get over to that fucking corner flag. Yeah. Don't stand around sheepishly. As if Ederson hasn't made a fool of himself. I mean, they must be biased in City's favor as well, or <laughs> unconsciously biased in City's favor, or fucking idiots. I think one of the three is a lot more believable this time, though. <laughs> yeah. We also had the earlier earlier on, on Saturday as well, we had this the same officiating incompetency. Scott McTominay auditioning for the fucking Harlem Globetrotters during a football match in his own box. Yeah. Rolling the ball down his left arm across his chest and on his right arm. I mean, he was just short of spinning it in his fucking finger. And later in the City game as well, Erling Haaland tries to give Anderson a wet willy with his fucking studs. And the commentators and the rest just seem to be won over by him holding his hands up afterwards. I think mean, he was just showing them how fucking high he can kick. <laughs> The
1: city thing's weird, isn't it? Like how how people can believe because they're good that that they can throw them in. And I say this very cautiously. You know that they can throw them in. Say with like United, Liverpool bracket, who shouldn't be getting decisions in their favor either. But at least you can understand it more because there is so much hype and. And fandom around those teams. It's not there with City. Don't worry about it. Yeah, they're just winning games, but you don't need to manipulate it. Crystal Palace should have been 3-0 up. Might have won the game. Like that that that's heartbreaking stuff. Like Ellerson, it was no different to Carius no different to Orion Island. He threw the ball away. He threw the ball to a Crystal Palace player. And they they scored from it, and I don't know why they were apologetic about it. And the big difference, because initially when I heard about it, I was like, "Oh, hang on, Villa got away. We will remember." I'd said to you, "But what the fuck was Emmy Martinez doing?" And you put me right. Emmy Martinez was trying to kick the ball from out of his hands, and somebody kicked it away from him. Like just completely different scenario. In this scenario, if Emmy if Emmy Martinez had kicked that ball to a Newcastle player, who it was at the time, then he's giving the ball away the same way he threw it away as well. It's a uh, it's, it's strange and like if he drops the ball he should be allowed to play on. Like we're back at this protected species nonsense but I don't know why Man City are a protected species. It's crazy.
0: Well, It is crazy. I'm sure you could you know let your mind wander and try to figure it out as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you uh, what is crazier. My second
1: question we can't answer. Not only does Scott Parker have a top gun blazer it seems they want this pattern in cardigan form as well. <laughs> what? The, what is this guy smoking like, what is he doing Like, it was bad enough that he wore it for three games where you could see I think he wore it, he, who, who did they play, it might have been Arsenal so a few more people saw it than, than they might have and they were like what the fuck is that boy wearing you know, he obviously didn't watch to burn my villa much and he persisted with wearing it brought it to more people's attention and now he's ditched the blazer and he's got the stripes on this cardigan, exact same colour just a cardigan wrapping around his little shirt like what is he doing
0: what are you smoking like how how long how long have we both been sentient how long did we live together how many hours have we chatted for how many hours have we spent in the football pitch together and you still haven't figured out that i couldn't give a flying fuck about the fashion ensembles of a plonker like parker and the other thing to say of course he has stripes on it he probably thinks that'll trick the morons in the Bournemouth team into thinking he's got a Got a military rank, and then they'll have to listen to what he's saying because they're unlikely to be listening to his football ladies. <laughs> yeah, well, I was worried that you wouldn't want to
1: talk about fashion, so I, I jotted down Mo Salah, no points fantasy football. See you go for <laughs> surely, surely, I know you're fatigued. You know, I text you a lot as well. You know, you don't really get responses, but about my team, but surely you can sympathise with this one well, nine goals. And he's not scored one of them. He's not assisted one of them. It's never going to happen again in the history of the game. And it was, you know, it was a nail-long captaincy, Liverpool at home near Bournemouth. They won 9-0. It was a right decision. And the most prolific player in the Premier League for a long time doesn't score or assist.
0: Look, what can you say? Fucking Bournemouth's attempts to shut down Mo Salah worked out really well. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations Scott Parker uh, yeah that's it for
1: the show another bad day we'll point into Wednesday and we'll, we'll see what that has in store for us but I'll, I'll probably do exactly what I did on Thursday and say I have a feeling how that's going to go <coughs> <laughs> we could probably end every podcast like that thanks a million for listening share it on if you haven't I really appreciate it and uh, we'll chat thee on Wednesday night all the best Oh <laughs>